Hey, I'm Anna McGuire. I'm Andrea Cleary. And this is Juvenalia, a podcast where we talk to an interesting person about a bit of pop culture that was important to them when they were young. Our guest today is a returning guest, a very special guest who has chosen a very special topic. Sophie White, welcome back. Hello, you. It's uh, not been long. I barely left the last Zoom meeting <laughs> before I crept into your DMs and was like, I am obsessed with this. Can I come and talk to you? Also, I'm just lonely. I'm so lonely, guys. We all are. <laughs> Deep <yes>. in pandemic. <laughs> just want to chat. Personally, I'm thriving. Actually, I'm having a great year. So. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are on about. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> so your topic is? It's Heather's. Yeah. Yeah, it's iconic. Um, it is. It's. I only watched for the first time for this, as with so many other iconic things. I'm oh. seeing it for the first time. Uh, loved it. Yeah. Well, let's start with you. When did you first see it? Do you remember? Um, I think I probably first saw it when I was about seven or Ooh. eight, like so young. Too young, my, too young to watch mm. that. I definitely like so much of it went over my head. <laughs> like, I can't even tell you the stuff I watched when I was really young that I just did not like were so lost on me. Um, <laughs> like I remember. So um, I was in a family with loads of like really movie obsessed people. And my dad showed me the Texas Chainsaw Massacre when I was I would say not even teens yet. I was maybe mm. on the cusp. And I remember him sitting there. It was on channel. What was it? Film for really late one night. And he was like, this is brilliant. It's a classic of the B movie genre. And I was like getting this bloody academic lecture about Texas Chainsaw Massacre while I was actually dying of terror. Um, I think I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre late on film four when I wasn't supposed to as well, when I was about mm. that age. Yeah. I, and I wasn't ready for it at all. No. My parents were very hands off. I remember I taped Reservoir Dogs off the TV when I was 12. <laughs> and my mother was like, are you sure you can watch that? And I was like, yeah, no, it's grand. She's like, grand. I'll take your word for it, I guess. I'll yeah. take care of this mother. Um, yeah. And then so like similarly, my cousin um, showed me like so many movies, especially kind of her 80s kind of like, you know, movies she just adored to me when I was just a child, like mm. 16 Candles with all of like extremely awful, awful, hateful jokes in it that like, mm do not hold up um or what else like heather's yes was a massive one and like i rewatched it endlessly with her as well and um we uh yes still quoted at each other um so yeah um oh yeah and i suppose i adored winona Ryder already from beetlejuice mm. um like i think yeah we were and mermaids Mm. Oh, yeah, remember yeah. mermaids i don't remember mm. actually i think mermaids came after but has anyone done like mermaids I on juvenilia no, i feel like that's a that was a really such a good one film for yes, a lot mermaids of people. was 1990 and you know mm. after i watched mermaids do you remember the mermaid costume in mermaids yes i made myself a mermaid tail <gasps> out of like there the core material was the bin liner and then like i adorned it with just paper and kind of shrapnel i found around the house and then i got into the bathtub with a bath like crafty girl i love it it was it just turned into this soupy mess of art attack <laughs> it was just an art attack swamp and like my family the paper mache cast of your legs essentially <laughs> basically and my family just thought i was literally like deranged um but yes but somewhere in the, the uk winona had on me shed a single tear for that <laughs> yeah, yeah well you know 
he was probably Art Attack was probably only in development at that time. And he was just like, look, this woman's on to a real winner. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was my the start of my like beginning and uh, middle and end of my love affair with Heather's is the yearly rewatch. And mm-hmm. um, I said to Seb, my husband, that I was coming on to chat about Heather's and he was like, I don't think I've seen it. And I was like, no man married to me hasn't seen this. Like you have, you lunatic. I yeah. kind of described it and he was like, yeah, okay, sorry, you're right. I think I've seen it <laughs> maybe a dozen times. Like, He's, yeah. Um, and then I suppose um, I did get on beyond Heather's because Heather's is this fascinating movie that like should never have worked um, as a concept because for anyone who doesn't know, it's about like two kind of like, misfits in high school killing off all the popular fucks who are making their life hell through staging fake suicides massive content warning on this episode Mm. Um, and like no part of that should ever have gotten past development and gotten into production and then become this massive cult classic and but it was it was I just think and it's so interesting because I'm really interested to hear Alan's 2021 eyes but like Mm. I just think they actually managed to swing it maybe by the skin of their teeth at certain points but like, I think they managed to nail it and make rather than the butt of the joke be teenage suicide and mental illness and bullying. I think they really, really managed to make the butt of the joke, the kind of 80s cynicism, a kind of a, like the general apathy of the 80s, the mad kind of capitalist kind of agenda of the 80s mm. and they managed to manage to not punch down as much as you would have thought they would what oh, do they, you think Alan? Yeah, the risk is there for sure um mm. it it's also a lot in a way about like how we kind of lionize terrible people once they're dead yes as well in yes. a big way yeah um yeah, I mean, we it's we say this up, but it obviously it literally cannot be made now because they tried to remake it and they had to keep on pushing it back because they couldn't yeah. find a gap between school shootings where they could air it yeah. all ten episodes. Yes. Oh so, my god, I have so much to say about the reboot. Yeah, we. We'll, I suppose we'll I get, mean, back we'll to get later, on to yeah. it. But like, I but, um, I tried to watch some of it. I must be one oh, of really? the few people who went mm. and found it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, yes. So it's it's in so many ways it shouldn't work, um, and I just think they really pull it off in a big way and um, because I think they always kept the right focus of their ridicule mm-hmm. more or less mm-hmm. I do think like what for example as a new watcher Alan what did you like what jarred what were you like oh no I hate this joke uh, oh, oh well every, everything so about how the two footballers died and the whole the gay panic stuff oh my god but did you not i'm sorry to but the bottled water guys the bottled, the bottled water, water that is really really funny was yeah it the is thing oh that i wrote yeah. down it was um <laughs> one of the cops says to the other when they find these two uh, in these a staged two double suicide mm-hmm. and they're both stripped it's like um suicide why does this answer your question? And he just takes out a bottle of mineral water yeah. from their bag yeah. that's like lying mm. nearby. And I'm like, oh, as I mean, as homophobic jokes go, 
that one is really funny. Like, it's just why, also, why the cold water? Like, did you not think, because it's Ohio in the 80s, yes, but did you so not nice. think that it, they kind of like, um, gay panic kind of redeemed itself mm. by, the, you know, uh, very much yeah. making fun of the police who were finding them. Mm. It was and the police then that were the, the joke there. Yeah, exactly. Can't, yeah. Well, I think so. And then I thought it redeemed itself quite well as well with the I love my dead gay son scene, mm. which yeah. follows that and is um, their funeral. And uh, in which they're in their caskets, in their giant football helmets. Yeah. It's, yeah. One of the funniest yeah. it's quite cartoonish. Like, is why it gets away with a lot of what it gets away with. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, it, it has much. to be, I think. The one thing, as well, it's matter. less. It, it but also, like, yeah. I'm saying that as a kind of largely straight person watching it as well. So I'm very aware that, like, you know, I, I also yeah. maybe don't really get to call it at all, even though I would sometimes skew one direction away from <laughs> straightness. Yeah. But um, also, I found the thing that I really think I still cringe is the. Um, eating disorder jokes a lot of those and of those. i think with that what is the problem with that in the kind of i suppose more enlightened rewatches is that in those jokes it doesn't feel like it's um skewering the say rampant diet and culture of the 80s it feels like bulimia is a like silly thing to have like Bellini is the silly girl thing. So yeah, let's make yeah. the silly girl characters have it. Let's let's make the most vapid characters in this film have bulimia because it is a vapid disease. And totally. It's a, it's and not really a things, thing, you know? not really a disease, mm. kind of attention seeking. And yeah. also, I'm sorry, that's what, what it's kind of framed that's, as. That's what it's framed <laughs> as. We are not saying that. Yes. <laughs> before, before someone lifts that comment out of context. Yeah. Um, and then puts it somewhere public. But um the uh, the thing as well is that um, really famous line of um, bulimia's so last season, Heather. And mm. like, yes, I think you can make an argument for that, you know, being a somewhat uh, sly crack it sort of ca- capitalist kind of. But I also think that that would be a reach, Do you know, and I yeah. think it's one of the jokes in it that I, I definitely it's it definitely is really it makes me uncomfortable still the one that really jarred me um with how much I laughed at it because it was one of those laughs that shitty male comedians get and they love getting it when it's like oh yeah yeah oh you're so edgy like oh people needlessly from your fucking stage exactly (laughs) but I did laugh in that way when she just turned around and she was like uh, did you eat a brain tumor for breakfast? And it was just like the most shocking thing I'd ever heard a human say. I was like, that is <laughs> so vile that I just burst out laughing. And I was like, oh no, that's awful. And then I read that that actress died from a brain tumor like later yeah. in her life. Insane, absolutely mad. Yeah. Um, but it was like- Stuff like, yeah. It was so Stuff shocking. that feels really- um, it feels very deliberately like written to be catchy in the way like Juno was later. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, it is, so. they, actually, they invented all the teen slang to not age it, which yeah. I think works really well. What the I found myself, yeah, I feel like I found myself going, why aren't people still saying, just saying something is very, I know. Yeah. Adjective. it's really effective. It's a really good way of doing things. <laughs> I want to bring it back. 
Yeah. It never left between me and my cousin. Just really, just, just really. <laughs> things are so very, how very. Um, I loved. Like, kind of reminds me of Fetch in Mean Girls. Yeah. Like, stop trying yeah. to make yeah. how, how Fetch, Fetch work. so happened. It yeah. so happened. It had its moment <laughs> that it deserved. Oh, completely. Um, and Sophie, when you were watching it as a kid, um. Mm. Was did there, I was adore a, Christian Slater so well, oh, much? Oh, actually, yeah. answer that first, and then I'll mm. ask you the other one, because we need to talk about Christian Slater. <laughs> we need to I talk know. about his code. Like, I think I had such <laughs> confusing feelings about Winona and Christian at the same time. In fact, it was one of the most, mm. I suppose, Moorish um, <laughs> movies in terms of the protagonist <laughs> for anyone who, you know, enjoyed enjoyed beauty just full stop. Um, Christian Slater was amazing in it. I read that he based his um, his portrayal of JD, who is the kind of psychopathic sort of uh, love interest, um, on Jack Nicholson, which I think it's like yes. a completely oh, clear as day. Yeah, yeah. spot on impression of Jack Nicholson. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I just thought he was so gorgeous. And I find it really hard now to, um, to kind of re- see him in his current not to be ageist but like it's very hard and also like Christian Slater was like him and Winona Ryder just were those ones that had like such uh like potent moments Mm. in our kind of um in our youth like what do you think like because I always remember like um you know true romance oh stop Mm. rattly bites yeah. Yes. I I can't hear my Sharona without seeing Jean Garofalo and Winona Ryder dancing to it in yeah. Reality Bites in a diner yeah. or in a shop. Yeah. Yeah. Interview with a vampire slayer. Mm. Like yeah. just all of those kind of ones, even though he was kind of like supposed to be a nerd because they put glasses on him in Interview with a Vampire Slayer. And I was like, he is overcoming those glasses, guys. But anyway, <laughs> climbing yes. over them with that sultry stare. Yeah. I think it's it's that sultry stare at the beginning of the film like we we see him when he's so in the much. corner of the cafeteria we see him so much in the cafeteria before he even says a word like we know what his vibe is we know what his deal is he's like anti-establishment he hates mm. the popular kids but he's like also super handsome he can stand up to the jocks he has an earring hello he's got mm. a bike like it's just we learn so much about him from just those like glances those longing glances across Pokey. the room at Winona Ryder they're so potent and like a charge yeah it's very much like PFA penetration from afar and totally. then also like isn't Heath Ledger in 10 Things I Hate About You totally JD 2.0 yes yes completely yes, I feel yeah. that entirely. I very much feel that like you know Christian Slater was doing Jack Nicholson Heath Ledger was doing Christian Slater yeah like completely mm. and then actually, and Julia Stiles is doing Winona Ryder Winona Ryder a bit as well yeah definitely like outsider Moody, diarist kind of yeah oh, please, please write this think piece Sophie I need to <laughs> I need oh, to read the full analysis of like this. a kind of one of those kind of oral histories of like Absolutely. the ultimate outsider guy and the ultimate outsider yeah. but still mm-hmm. incredibly hot girl and um, although you know that they thought like that Winona Ryder wasn't hot enough to play Veronica which is yeah absolutely criminal ridiculous. and ridiculous. also I learned today which I never knew she was only 16 playing that role it's crazy. That's, That's why I'm not crazy. engaging I mean, about whether actually... she was hot enough for a role or not. But yeah, and there's also <laughs> a sex scene in the movie. Like, yeah, it's they so have crazy chemistry. Up. Yeah, yeah. Oh my god, yes. How old um, was Christian Slater in the role? He was eighteen, 
maybe okay, maybe right. nineteen. Yeah, oh yeah. God, I just wow, can't even. God, baby. Yeah, no, they're all like... they're all actual teens except for the the blonde, the the second blonde Heather who was twenty three. She lied about her age, but everybody else was were they were actual teens. She lied to be older. That's so funny. Like but that's yeah. gas. Everyone would be doing the reverse now. Everyone would be mm. doing the Nadine Coyle like. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, I will say about uh, JD now watching for the first time as an adult, I kind of get how people who read Catching the Rise novel for the first time feel about Holden Caulfield. <laughs> it's like, you're such a fucking squirt. You know, you're, this is all, you're talking complete nonsense. You're this talking just, nonsense. No. Oh, yeah. God, yeah. Like, yeah, we get it. You hate your dad. Like, yeah. Like, your life is so hard. Your dad has this, like, extremely successful construction business and you get to travel all around the country like mm-hmm. but he is such a, a like yeah. he's such an archetypical bad boy that i mean mm. i think we've spent so long in our cu- kind of current state of culture either with, with p- people or characters like playing against the bad boy or trying to reframe the bad boy it's really mm-hmm. nice to actually just sit down and watch a film in which like the really hot guy is a psychopath who murders people yeah. sometimes oh, yeah, it's just yeah. like it's it, it's nice to actually get back to the root of the archetype and just like see it for what it is and enjoy or, it for what yeah. it is because it's cinema it's supposed to be a place to play you know and also like it's so funny like not to immediately start pushing my musical theater agenda here but like <laughs> um, the third song in um heather's the musical is called fight for me and it's he- she's first introduced really to jd um by a fight that he's having um in the cafeteria and like she's singing about how like she's like i want to be i'm supposed to be above this but i can't actually like cope with the hotness of watching boys fight um, and it's just so funny I really want to get the actual line um, and the lyrics an incredible amount of so truth clever. in that idea that you know oh, I am, yeah. I'm so above this but I will absolutely just lose my shit if I if I see a boy fighting for me like that. this is the exact lyric it's so good why when you see boys fight does it look so horrible yet feel so right I shouldn't watch this crap that's not who I am but with this kid damn <laughs> she kind of <laughs> says it like damn you're like oh feeling that very hard right now love. yeah it's, it's um, an extremely like intelligent teenage sentiment like which she's she's talking earlier on in, in the scene after they both have sex with uh after the on the like croquet pitch and we should talk about the croquet in it actually mm-hmm. but um where she's she's saying like I'm I, I'm using my like amazing IQ to uh, choose a lip gloss every morning. So she is like she definitely identifies and has has been told she's part of that generation of like the special kids who are going to grow up and be at everything they want and do everything. And her mm. way of rebelling against that is to get with like the stupidest, most obvious bad boy with a motorcycle. And I have <laughs> to respect that at least a little bit. I'm like, yeah, you're 16, girl. You, you you don't need to use your IQ for anything other than figuring out where that boy is right now. Like, that's fine. <laughs> that's totally fine. Like, you you deserve that. But yeah, the croquet. So I don't know the rules of croquet, but I very intensely felt the social relationships of that group, like, being carried out on that ball going around that patch of grass like it, <laughs> it, 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 every time they hit the ball it felt so important and I have no idea what they're doing it's incredible <laughs> yeah. there's a moment where she walks the ball around with 
to behind another ball and I've no idea if that's allowed or not yeah it seems important that she did it yeah I've no idea if that's a legitimate croquet I know it was definitely meaningful um Mm -hmm. and I think it was maybe some kind of a kindness to uh, is it Betty is the is the other girl yes Betty yeah yeah. justice for Betty I love her Um, justice for Betty I I think it was done as kind of like a kindness to her so maybe she was like letting her away but like they talk about it things in it where they're like oh yeah no you you don't have to take those two shots and stuff and I'm like what does it mean what does it all mean I find (laughs) I was so obsessed well I just made this kind of really like uh you know unformed kind of assumption that like croquet is a relative of polo um Mm -hmm. (laughs) why but basically rich person but if if you add um, horses activity it is it is basically the same Mm. thing isn't it and then I also think like there's some rule about the small ball and the bigger balls and then what are the little arches for Okay, I really, I don't know why I've never even wondered deeply about it. It's like a slam. The little doors. Balls, yeah. you have to get them through or something. Yeah, I, I presume you have to get them through them. But I always mm. was like, I think I was too distracted in that, those scenes, especially the opening scene where they're just in these weird blazers. And I do remember being like, they're so beautiful. Blazers about. And all of their outfits are so amazing. Um, it's really got Incredible. that kind of... Um, it reminds me of the kind of surreal thing of like Edward Scissorhands and um, mm. another Winona Banger. Yeah. Um, yeah. And the other thing that Heather's always really reminded me of, and I wonder if you've seen it, is Serial Mom. Have you guys ever seen Serial Mom? No. Or heard of it? Serial Mom yeah. is it's one of uh, famously Ricky Lake's first uh, dramatic outings. Oh. And um, it was made actually, in fairness, actually, it was made after the Heathers. So I guess it's, you know, probably inspired by the Heathers. And it was um, John Waters. And oh. in a funny way, it was probably one of his more mainstream, more like, yeah, sort of I didn't palatable realize sort yeah. of movies. Mm-hmm. Well, like mainstream palatable. And mm-hmm. it's about like a mom who starts like, killing off uh, like anyone who fucks with her kids like anyone who gives them bad grade or doesn't let them on the like <laughs> cheer squad or whatever and it's um Kathleen uh Turner is the mom and like it's absolutely brilliant but also like it's just really I think it's a relative of Heather's in that mm. like another concept mm. that really shouldn't work but totally does but yeah. you know what I was looking up which I find really interesting so then you know the way like with Heather's the reboot tv series yes as Alan said they were constantly having to push out the broadcast date because like it was constantly coinciding with school shootings and the kind of like apps the ending of Heather's the movie is this like well plot um to essentially take out the whole school like I don't want to give like too many spoilers and stuff but like that's the kind of upshot of it I think we can talk about spoilers I think if you're spoilers. half an hour in then yeah like, yeah yeah, yeah. Fair. Pause, pause it if you haven't seen it and go and watch it but yeah <laughs> Well, anyway, it completely climaxes in JD's plan to blow up the school. And he's like conned um, Heather Duke into doing a petition to get signatures from everyone in the school. It's so dark to then like write a suicide note that looks like they've all signed so that it is a mass suicide that has um, happened in the school. And um, it's it's so, so dark. But like it really um, it made me wonder about school shootings like prior to the release of heather heathers 
And um, because I always remember like, you know, I remember one that was in the late 70s, I think that the Boomtown Rats wrote, I don't like Mondays about. Mm. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I think that was in the UK, was it? I, I'm not sure if that was. No, that was, oh, it was, oh, was it America? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Mm. Sorry. Um, so I went and looked up the figures. Right. And um, even though like, yes. So basically in the in 2019, so I looked at 2020 and I felt these figures are being skewed because of pandemic. So I went back to 20, which is very sad. Mm. Went back to 2019 and uh, in 2019, there was 55 school shootings in America, um, which is obviously more than one a week. Mm. And then and it's, it's more than zero, which is too many. Too many. Yeah. And then in the 1980s, in the entire decade, there was 50 something. So we went from a wow. decade uh, producing 50 something of these horrible, 58, I think it was, of these horrible events to in a single year, yeah, uh, the same figure. So I don't know, like, why did they even think, you know, that a TV show of Heather's was ever going to land? And then they really doubled yeah. down, doubled down on their horrific concept by, do you guys know? Mm-hmm. Please, I don't. Please, I don't please know. tell everybody the terrible, terrible idea they had for their Heather's reboot. So for the Heather's reboot. Sorry, they, this is for the TV show, is it? This is for yeah. the TV show. Yeah. So yeah. I think they started trying to get it out there in like 2018, 2019. I remember seeing the trailer and being like, no, just oh. no. And I think every single person who was under the age of like 45 saw the trailer and was like, no, <laughs> we're not having this. So, and it wasn't, it was brilliant actually. And it's so interesting because it wasn't like that kind of like, you know, that sort of like frantic protectionism that kind of sometimes comes up with reboots and things like that, where all the original mm. fans are like, no, don't touch it. Mm. But um, it was just, okay. So basically in the original Heathers, as we all know, the Heathers, um, Duke, Tran Chandler and Graham are like thin, white, able-bodied, blonde, except for Heather duke who's got kind of red hair but they're all rich as fuck and they're just like beautiful and popular and perfect say, mm -hmm. not everyone loves that <laughs> they're real they are though damn bitches <laughs> and then so and then like the outsiders in the original heathers are like obviously jd and veronica martha dunstock that's dunstruck dunstock dump a dump truck but they dump all call truck. her that and it's yes. awful Yes. That's something that I didn't enjoy, actually, but I liked where I liked how she got kind of the last word at the end. She got her or, redemption. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Not that she didn't she need redemption. She got her, her happy ending. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 And then like Betty and everyone. Um, and so then in the reboot, they decided to like, I think they believed they were doing like a hilarious, dramatic kind of reversal. Um, so they had um so they had a fat girl was chan heather chandler and they had a biracial girl as heather mcnamara and they had um a kind of uh sorry not to be but like a non-binary um, use ge gender queer was the word they use in the description i saw okay so, so gender yeah. queer heather duke and they all of the kind of like victims, quote unquote, of this th these three Heathers were all the kind of like 
straight, beautiful, thin, essentially kind of like, quote unquote, normies. And right. uh, there was like... Um, and Heather Chandler was a, like, it's like social justice posts on her Instagram. And that's why she was so terrible that she was oh my God, this wokeness. Genuinely yeah. horrible. Yeah. Oh, yeah, completely. I mean, the absolute... these, these people wouldn't be bitches because... Mm-hmm. Like, they, like, why, what cause would they have to be mean to people? Like, that just doesn't make sense. It's for not being woke enough. You know the way that genderqueer kids are always oh, oppressing no, the football team? Really? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, it's definitely it's so missed this the, like, very kind that's of... That's why nobody was... It wasn't people being protective. It was like, you have missed the point of Heather's. Like, yeah. You have, like... So 100%. Rad missed the point, point of, of Heather's. Social and justice. Also, <laughs> yeah. And also missed the whole point of, like, what the culture is still doing to people who are marginalised. Like mm. trying to pretend that like, you know, that marginalized people hold power of any description, which is definitely the implied, I think, kind of the implied joke here is that like now you're no one in high school. If you don't like, you know, identify as, you know, insert uh, whatever kind of marginalized you know identity mm-hmm. you might have and like it's so bonkersly it's such a kind of um you know like kind of just far right kind of uh jordan yeah. peters was jordan peters jordan peterson, J- yeah. jordan mm-hmm. peterson in the development room with these execs because that's it's basically exactly how it kind of comes across it's like Heather's, but make the three of them social justice warriors and the victims are the people who are just, you know, trying, trying to tell jokes or just trying mm-hmm. to, trying to protect like, oh, like it's rape joke or something mad, like, like that. Yeah. yeah. PC yeah, gone exactly, mad. Exactly. Yeah. Oh yeah. no, that's terrible. Oh no, it's so awful. That's and like it, it, none of it, I watched, I kind of did a hop skip through a few episodes because I suppose I was like, well, if I'm going to bitch about this, I suppose I better watch them. And like quite apart from the like really distasteful, um, you know, like take, is it even mm. a take? But like this horrible take. The whole premise of it. Yeah, yeah, the whole premise of it is just so skewy and icky and wrong and so massively ignores like, the like like the reality of you know people who like just massively ignores like some serious like statistics for example around you know um i suppose like i I don't know i don't want to be too triggery but like you know suicide among trans people or you know just like like bullying skills of like genderqueer people or exactly disabilities and or completely and uh so anyway, ugh, quite apart from that, I watched some of it and I was like, this is so h- horrible. I can't even look at this Veronica. She is so wrong. And this JD is giving me like massive, massive X and they have no sexual chemistry. Oh, no, that's that's the that's biggest crime. Unforgivable, <laughs> frankly. And can I just say, I think Veronica is such a cool girl name. And I, I'm not sure <laughs> if that's because... I watched Heather's when I was a teenager, but I just, I, I feel generally girls with names that begin with V are very cool names, like Vanessa and stuff like that. I'm like, yeah, very cool name. Veronica is a very cool girl name. Jason Dean. Veronica Sawyer is a very cool name. Yeah. 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 Very, it's, very cause I, cool. It seemed really familiar when I heard it, even though I've never seen it. It feels like a name that's just 
in the ether is a cool name. Cool name. You know? yeah. I'm not sure exactly where I knew it from, but yeah. 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 And like Jason Dean is JD's full name, obviously. Yeah. Um, nice little nod there. Um, the other iteration of Heathers that is it actually like debunked the this shouldn't work in our current climate of, you know, thankfully better awareness um, of, of of very horrific issues that people are dealing with is the Heathers the musical. Yes, I want to hear all about the musical. Did you guys get to catch up on any of the songs even because the the video I skipped through the first few yeah okay yeah of the West End one yeah and um, like the vids online they're very hit and miss um mm. I have watched a very very poor quality bootleg just because I'm so dedicated to the songs <laughs> but and musical theater in general but the spot the album is on Spotify and it's Honestly, I just think one of the smartest musicals I've ever become um, low-key obsessed with, and I've been obsessed with a lot of them. Um, And I suppose what also really interests me is that my cousin, who shares my Heather's obsession, is um, writes books for musicals. So she said the book in a musical is like the, you know, it tends to be the action between songs and the lyrics Mm. of the Mm. songs. And obviously, like, in musicals, a really specific way of telling a story. So, like, mm-hmm. you can listen to the musical of, of Heather's and understand, like, pitch almost completely perfectly exactly what is taking place. Like um, what we all did with Hamilton. Yes, yeah. exactly. Um, and uh, it's just, I think, so goddamn smart. Like, they took um, only some, like, aspects and shifted them around a tiny bit. So they made Veronica Sawyer a kind of, like, you know quote unquote loser from the start of the musical mm. she kind of ascends the sort of hierarchy during the first number and um it's just like this incredibly like just brilliantly executed um i suppose scene setting um mm. you know it's just like so it starts now with some, so obviously in the film, like um, Veronica Sawyer has her diary and this kind of starts with like Dear Diary um, the same as the movie. And then um, there is this like brilliant kind of chorus in the song. So the song is called Beautiful and it's like this chorus of the like nonstop fucking rhetoric of secondary school. So all the kind of chorus are singing freak, slut, burnout, bug eyes, poser, lard ass. And um, in the background of all of this, bulldike, stuck up, hunchback. Like it's so, so bad. But it's Veronica singing against this. Like, um, you know, welcome to my school. This ain't no high school. This is the Thunderdome. And basically being like, hold your breath and count the days we're graduating soon. And then I really love that there's this like actual in the midst of all of this still um, kind of self-reflection from the chorus who are all like calling each other like homos and shit like that. And then they're also 
um, kind of singing about their own kind of confusion in teen, like in adolescence and like kind of like they are both hating on each other and kind of reflecting on why are they doing this? Do you know what I mean? So like they're there, like it goes, it swings from them singing about like lard ass and all this kind of shit to then them being like, somebody hug me, somebody fix me, somebody save me, give me some hope here, something to live for. And I just Mm -hmm. was like, I just felt it so much because like obviously went to secondary school like (laughs) and I was just like oh my god yes and so it kind of really goes from there but I think it's like one of the most clever adaptations because they really took like so many of those really iconic lines um and and they kind of like just I think they are true to the original tone even though there is differences Mm. and they they bring it in really really well so like um with say um that amazing line of um christian slater's our love is god let's go get a slushy yeah so they have like a whole song that's called freeze your brain which is like the perfect kind of way of communicating who jd is and like basically like really neatly kind of like talks about kind of like numbing pain and it's just it's just so clever that you're just like I don't know I just feel like I'm scarily constantly in awe of it like I feel like every listen I see more things in it that I'm like fuck that's really clever and and they also do something that I just feel like is possibly I maybe has never been attempted since um, but they do an incredible musical sex scene mm. that is like the the lyrics are so so good so the song is called dead girl walking and um it's all veronica coming to jd's room so obviously in like the in the show in the film they kind of like have sex in her garden, as you said, yeah. on top mm. of the croquet lawn. Um, but in, in the musical, at another point, she comes to him in his bedroom. And it's after she's been like shamed by Heather Chandler. And Heather Chandler has like vowed to kind of wreck her life. And so basically, she's like, in the song, she's like, on Monday, I'm going to be deleted and I've got 30 hours to live. How will I spend them? And then she's like, I'm going to spend these 30 hours getting freaky and <laughs> goes on to go to JD's bedroom. And it's he- what any of us would do with 30 hours left. Oh, we would find our so- local JD and we would march <laughs> ourselves over to his house and we wouldn't leave until the world ends. That's that it. is it. It is like the best, it's like the most satisfying portrayal of like <laughs> female, like young Teenage sexuality. Yeah. And like, you're just like, yes, it is. And it doesn't in any way like try and like, I don't know, like make it like coy. It is yeah. like, I've watched the scene. It is so hot and explicit. It's brilliant. And like, they, there's some just brilliant lines in it, like where um, at one point, She's like, so this one verse, sorry, not to be reading lyrics to you guys, but like, no, this is great. Please do. Yeah. Comes in to Chris, not Christian's later, JD. And she's like, you're my last meal on death row. Shut your mouth and lose them tidy whities 
Come on, tonight I'm yours. I'm your dead girl walking. Get on all fours. Kiss this dead girl walking. Let's go. You know the drill. I'm hot and pissed and on the pill. Bow down to the will of a dead girl walking. And it's really good because there's nothing kind of weird or consenty. Like it's, it's there's stunning. no probs on that front because he's like very excited. And like it <laughs> is, oh, it just like basically the song ends in the two of them coming. And it is a fucking musical triumph of how it's done <laughs> like I wanted to text and be like are, are we allowed to play bits of songs but I know we're probably not but I want every single person listening to go and listen to Dare Girl Walking on Spotify and just just marvel like <laughs> either that or I'm going to come back on the podcast and sing it to everyone um but it's it's one of my favorite parts of the whole musical and then yeah and again I think the musical just keeps that thing that the original show had of like not original show original film had of just like punching down on the kind of right things Mm. the right Mm. like just keeping the the focus right and also obviously Heather like not Heather Veronica I'm so sorry Veronica just kind of like comes to her senses she is a kind of a protagonist that like she's really flawed and she's doing stuff that you're like no but like obviously she comes good and I think Mm -hmm. that like for example the end of the tv show sounds like chaos like there's an orig- they tacked on an ending where this school did get destroyed and they all meet in the afterlife. I don't a fucking prom, know what is that it? was. Yeah, I, I think I read something about that, and I mm. I, th- I thought that was about the movie. I thought that it was originally that was the, the original movie. end of the movie as well. But then they did it for, yeah, for a TV and the, show. The yeah. studio wouldn't let them um, have the ending be at prom. That was also the afterlife because I think they thought it was too like macabre which I mean like I I, there's a certain point you get with Heather's where you're just like well surely a little bit more isn't going to hurt anybody (laughs) it's an incredibly macabre um, film but um yeah I think I think something about Heather's that really struck me watching it today now that I have sort of I've more years experience watching a lot of like teen films teen media based in high schools that's like one of my favorite genres if anything mm. comes up on netflix and, and it's it's got a teen near a locker having some kind of <laughs> struggle yeah. in, internally I, I'm, I'm there i'm there for it like i watched like a lot of degrassi first class and i don't know if anyone even knows what that is it's really bad but um <laughs> i watched like two seasons of it because i just i love that but um i think in terms of how Heather's kind of uses the, the the language of of the teen film and of the teen protagonist is really interesting. Like when we meet Veronica, she's already in the group, you know, mm. like we, we, we don't get to see her rise through the group. So you're already kind of like on the back foot with that, I think, because you don't get to see her win her way into this group. And then mm. obviously she, she meets JD in a very teen film romantic way eyes meeting across the cafeteria and her walking into someone that's lovely but Mm. then they sort of like immediately get together and they immediately have sex and she's not like this this film came out what 1988 or something was it yeah 89 Uh, 89. yeah Yeah. Yeah. and and there was no like 
there's no like ethical worries of her like you know oh my god am I gonna give him my flower or like (laughs) like it was just it was so matter of fact like I'm I Mm. want to bone this guy I'm now going to bone this guy now we're boning this is great um like the the way she kind of uses her agency and her language with Mm. that like sleazy guy at the party when she's like I I have a speech for suitors who I don't want to sleep yes, with. And she's I like, gee, blank, I had a really nice time. And she's like, you don't deserve <laughs> my speech. There's just so much of the kind of like current modern language of feminism within her as as a teen protagonist that I actually found it mm. like where where it does it's... get like it it does kind of, you know, it is very 80s in some of its jokes and it is very, but I I think they just handle her as a character so well like they let her be flawed like she's like manically frantically like scrawling ripping pages out of her diary with her pen because she's writing so furiously and Mm. it's like yeah that's great it it reminds you of the the mean girl scene with um regina george just absolutely freaking out and losing her goddamn mind and you're like yeah yeah the power of that yes you know I like as well the way they like they don't massively tee up like uh, Veronica as a feminist. It's just kind of like, yeah, almost it's incidental. It's kind of taken for granted that she has all this agency and and would want like her needs to be met and things like that. And I think that's really brilliant. And I think exactly what you were saying in terms of like there's no sense of like kind of catching us up as the audience with this high school and these people because it's just like it just doesn't condescend to the audience in that way it just like drops you into the action it just assumes that you know which we do um Mm -hmm. exactly who all these people are because we're fucking in the in the secondary schools uh and in that hierarchy we know these people we are these people yeah Yeah, completely what what struck me watching it was that when that came out, that was the same age that I was watching Saved by the Bell, mm. which essentially had the exact same like social layouts as each other, but just from different perspectives. Yeah, like, yeah. Mm. Heather's is kind of like, for the first half, it's like a horror film from the the baddie's perspective for the first half of the film until she realizes. Yeah. You can, you can see that version of the film where it's just all these teens are dying mysteriously and you don't know why. Yeah, totally, we're seeing that it's, totally. it's actually these two. Yeah, they they don't hang around either. Like that film, like the first header dies in half an hour. Oh yeah, like, yeah. I I like I knew that there was like death in the film, but when I was like, wait, did... she's actually, actually watching it. She's dead already. Like, <laughs> the I thought it was building up to like a school shooting at the end. Is what the impression I'd gotten of headers over the years, but I actually seen it. Mm. Yeah, but it's this totally deeper, weirder thing. It is weird. It's not. Yeah. It's not afraid to. Yeah, like like you said, land you in it with the death and. Even I mean, like the first lines of the film are are just like completely confusing and disorienting, like these three Mm. girls all calling each other Heather and it's not explained to you. It's it's a really um, I I think it's a testament to it's kind of a love letter in a way to like the teen movie as a as as a way of telling like actual human stories, because it's Mm. like they can be so like maligned by like culture critics and by film fans and especially like male film fans can like really really look down on you if you're into watching like 
16 candles and pretty say anything all of that and it's like no this this film which yes it was made by a man but it's it's still it, it gives weight to the kinds of stories that you can tell through teenagers and specifically American teenagers at this time like the MTV generation everyone was freaking out satanic panic was a thing video games were murdering people in the street like yeah. it was it was <laughs> the all video nasties on. yeah like there was, there was a quote in it and it was like um, a, a society that te- I, I think it was the the priest at one of the funerals he's talking about the teenagers and how they have it terrible and he's, he says they live in a society that tells his youth that their problems can be solved with the mtv video games yeah. i just thought that was <laughs> yeah. so spot on like it was just all of these these um even the scenes with the teachers like hanging around the teachers lounge like just mm. chain smoking and be like so what are we gonna good. do with these fucking kids like will just they like just stop chowing down on smokes it's <laughs> yeah. so good they're like trying to figure out whether a suicide is serious enough to give a half day or is it just an hour or a full day <laughs> yeah like yeah. they're so like so morally and ethically disconnected from this generation who they're like uh, they're terrified of them really as well and they're confused by them and there's there's kind of there's two ways that is presented in the film of dealing with with teenagers in in the late 1980s and one is the kind of the ignore it until it goes away very kind of military dad in american beauty kind of view and the other is the the free love kind of like the the hangover from the 1960s free love hippie teacher who gets them all to like hold hands and sing in the cafeteria and it's like there's no nuance here and i think what the film does is show nuance in 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 young people and that there there is um there's like yeah like I said like actual human stories to be told through through them it, it really gives a voice to the the stranger parts of being a teenager especially a teenage girl I think and the strange politics that you have to navigate yeah for mm. sure and then I think as well it did like what you kind of said earlier Alan actually about like how um, like Heather Chandler became like kind of deified after her death yeah um, and uh, how then like what happens in the latter part of the movie is like that the kind of um, the suicide spiral from being you know engineered by JD and Veronica into being like attempts by other students yeah. and it's um like I think that side is done really well as well like even though there's a kind of I think an implied joke of like once the popular kids start doing it anything will catch on mm. but I think there's also actually kind of a lot of empathy. So last season yeah 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 exactly I do think mm. there's also still quite a lot of empathy for like the these kind of other characters like Heather McNamara and Martha Dunstock coming out as like really hurting and depressed and I think that's a really good way that they kind of managed to bring together two seemingly very opposing things of making fun of Mm. teenage suicide and being empathetic about it um like I think that's really really well handled yeah it definitely Um, brought to light that kind of idea of um like a lot of teachers and like even news media like it's a very tricky thing to try and handle the reporting or or discussion of a teen suicide Mm. because of the 
the the obvious implications that that, that can have yeah and it's a really interesting way to kind of give give a voice to the actual teenagers in that and not to the hand ringers um mm. and to say that yeah, actually true. yes this is this is something that we need to actually talk about meaningfully in schools when something like this happens we can't just brush this under the carpet I think the film dealt with that excellently and I I don't remember that being a thing when I first watched I think when I first watched it, I was kind of too young to understand the nuances of it mm. when I was watching it today I was like Jesus that's a hard thing to get right that's mm. a really t- like mm. the, I mean the whole thing is, is is a tough uh subject but like when you're making essentially a horror comedy about like teen suicides in school mm. and you manage to get the teen suicides in school bit right and actually say something about it and actually have a bit of a call to action mm. within it for, for for better education for teachers for more more empathy for the students no, no matter what their kind of hierarchical place is in mm. in the school you know it's um yeah I, I thought and without the... really like hammering home like a kind of a everyone's learning their lesson totally it, 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 it was you a know? by the way you know it was it was shown not told and yeah. again it, it, it it's a writer who trusts his audience to kind of to, to to find their way through that I thought the scene with um the the curly haired Heather um when she had her suicide attempt in the bathroom and mm. um and Veronica sits down beside her and just kind of says, "Like I'm, I'm here for you." It wasn't hammered home. It was, it, it wasn't like in in a different film, they would have both hugged and cried and, and then healed and healed together. Mm. But they didn't do that because mm. they both done really shitty things to each other. And it's just, it's just one of those things where, um, it's kind of like. It was just managed really well and it was managed yeah. in terms of like a female friendship way really well. And it was also really accurate, I think, on how it felt like as a teenager to deal with really big stuff. So I remember like that a friend of mine um, uh, attempted uh, suicide in our late teens and like thank god everything was okay but i remember having such little kind of ability to understand like so much of it like i just remember being mm. so like that my responses were chaotic because i i didn't even have the wherewithal to begin processing it mm-hmm. and like i remember this is a lot for juvenilia so feel free to cut this but like mm-hmm. after it happened and they were tran- like they were transferred to a hospital. They were brought to hospital and um, me and two other friends cleaned up. And I just remember being like 17 and like really not knowing what the hell to do with any of this, mm. you know? And I think that that's why that scene really speaks to me, because I also just felt as much as it wasn't about lesson learning lessons and kind of having an after school special moment. Um, I think it was really accurate about just the kind of like you're just so unformed, you know? Yeah, my cousin uh, died by suicide when he was 14 and I was about nine, I think. Yeah, I'm so and sorry. Alan. Thank, thank you. Um, but like I had no frame of reference for how to think about that at all mm. at the time. I still like even now it's still because I didn't 
really process it then it doesn't really feel like a real thing anymore mm. um but yeah i think it kind of gets at that whole thing of where when these people these teenagers die nobody knows how to deal with it they just have to invent and they have to kind of make a bright side out of it because they can't deal with the horror of what happened yeah well so that's why they deify heather chandler and they turn the um the two footballers into gay rights icons because they it's easier to do that than to think about why these people might have died mm. you know yeah it's um i yeah it's it's so tough and yeah i think for some people it will always be out of the question mm. to kind of watch or enjoy it um mm. you know i suppose i've had like a degree of proximity to um suicide myself um but but it's never the same like it'll never be the same as as losing like a family member mm. um so yeah it's uh it's really really tough to i think set out to make a movie about suicide that's funny um mm. and also like i feel like so many people just be like why why would you why are you doing that um but obviously like all these things like it is it's just so many years before um you know a really good like mainstream conversation began about mm. all of these things that people were coping with in secret you know or like being ashamed you know to to tell people because that was such a thing you know that you would never hear of how um you know, a person may have died. And obviously it's still very like obliquely referred to in things like obituaries. And, um, mm. you know, there's a kind of a code that, you know, you can read a cultural code for how to talk about it and mm -hmm. um, and in public and things. And um, yeah, so it's, I mean, I definitely don't, I would never argue that Heather's is in any way pushing forward and, um, you know, an empathetic, well-rounded understanding of the very real serious issues that are at its core. Um, but, you know, it's it's still such a favorite. Um, mm. So did you kind of like it? Alan? I did. I really liked it. Yeah. I'm uh, interested. It put, it put me, like, I feel... It's definitely part of like a continuum of like, obviously it's a reaction to Breakfast Club and 16 Candles and all that. But then you have like Mean Girls and Drop Dead Gorgeous and mm. Freaks and Geeks a little bit as well. I feel like the whole Betty, uh, Veronica relationship is a bit like. Um, oh my God, totally. Busy Phillips and, and uh, Linda Cardinelli. Yeah, but also Linda Cardini and her old friend that she doesn't talk to anymore. The, oh, the very yes, preppy good girl. Of course, yes. If, might be um, like incredibly of that and i think yeah it's it's a really good vein of films i think if you put watch any two or three of those films that's a good night if you pick like like drop dead gorgeous and headers i think are very much related to each other just about how horrible teenagers are to each other yes. i don't think in I've a very violent gorgeous andrea get off this call right now and go and watch <laughs> it it is so fucking good it i don't say wait I feel like it's is there is there a famous scene in it that I can imagine that there's a, is a, a brown haired protagonist girl that's what I know. There I really is, don't know. Um, Denise, so Richards, Denise Richards and Kirsten Dunst. Kirsten yeah. Dunst. Oh. Ellen Barkin, Alison Cheney, Kirsty Alley. Like How there it's a really film? good cast. Brittany oh, Murphy so as well. Good. Oh, yeah. oh Brittany yeah. Murphy, oh my god. Yes. And also, oh my god, a girl whose name escapes me who went on to be on Friends. So that's yeah, oh, Amy Smart. 
No, is I don't it? think it's Amy Smart. Oh, it's Smart. not her. It's but just it's like, like Amy Smart. It's like the Amy Smart, kind of older Amy Smart. Funny enough, in yes. my head, I was like, it's Amy Smart, but it's not. She was Ross's college girlfriend in France. Exactly. Oh, and, um, oh she Will, was very funny. What's his name yeah. from Die Hard? Uh, was her dad? Do you remember? Oh, Bruce Willis. Yeah, yeah. Bruce Willis. Will yeah. Um, oh, yeah, I love Drop Dead Gorgeous so much. But yes, I mean, I suppose if you have this kind of overarching sort of message in Heather's, it is actually empathy. Like, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's kind of, it does, I think it does justify its existence, you know. I think it, it, it justifies it in so far as, like, it does quite overtly state late in the film, I think JD says it about the school, um, if, if he blows up the school, then people will realize that he's blown up society or, the, or that the school is society. And, yeah. you know, that's that's kind of the only moment where you really feel like the characters are like looking down the camera and and trying to tell you something. But it's also not unlike the way teenagers do actually speak to each other. Teenagers do or at least I did yeah. speak in these kind of very uh, broad, dramatic mm-hmm. kind of ways <laughs> yeah. when you first learn that um, actually the world is really awful and you know and you first kind of get those those thoughts of like well everything's shit and what's the point and you kind of get introduced to nihilism before you even know what it is yeah um, and you kind of rail you just rail yeah but it definitely doesn't take a nihilistic stance I don't think I think there's a there there's lessons to be learned in it and and they are in it I think it, it it'd be very easy to misunderstand the film like Heather's um, mm. and and like like most things that are discussed in Juvenalia like if it was released today it would, it would be a very very different film but mm. I, I love it for the film that it is that for how flawed it is and how mm. kind of how it's 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 at least trying to grapple with the ideas that it's it's presenting mm. and it gets most of them right which is nice. Yeah. It's kind of I think we're better than watching another Marvel, you know? Yeah. Mm. Honestly, I think like every ten years we get like a drop dead gorgeous uh mean girls uh yeah. headers, and every ten years we get like a super bad at Booksmart. We're yes. due our next dark one. Yeah, yes. definitely. So. I'm trying I mean, to I think hope, if I, I hope like... they make it, but mm. They probably won't because they're. I mean, yesterday I saw an ad. I re- I have a real chip on my shoulder about Marvel, but um, <laughs> I saw an ad for some new Marvel series that's going to be on Disney, and I was like, "Will you just let people make new stories for God's oh, yeah, sake? Yeah. Like, there are people out there trying to write stories. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, how are we going to get our new Heather's if you keep?" giving these Keep people three billion perpetuating dollars perpetuating like, these bullshit <laughs> this absolute bullshit like it's yeah. i have watched every moment i do think um, diablo cody is <laughs> you are part of the problem Alan. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um yes well i anyway and a final note i really do recommend the um heather's musical uh album have i mentioned it um <laughs> it's genuinely i think i just keep sitting back and being like wow they really did it they they actually have done it in this kind of you know culture you know at the climate yeah. of our times and it, it's it's okay they did pull one song and redo it um because they did uh they got some criticism for a song in it and i think they did some good self-reflecting about it and it was basically like it was a, a sort of a take on that scene where um the guys are uh trying to pester uh veronica um, and they had a song called Blue that was like, you make my ball so blue and um, mm. they're hanging sadly. 
is the neckline and um so they did kind of pull that but I think like it's interesting that that was like the main kind of misstep Mm. um, among everything and I would imagine it might be because they were taking such care on all of the more kind of overt problematic kind of things that they may have just slightly been a bit tone deaf on that on that one Mm. Um, I think they said it was like they it felt like it was making light of her right to say no, which Absolutely. is obviously yeah. dodgy out. Mm. But um, is they, they, the, they and I suppose teenage the suicide of... song in it. The teenage suicide don't do it. Teenage suicide oh. do it. No, <laughs> no, no. Okay. Um, but yes, I the one of my favorite songs from it is my dead gay son, which is the song um, obviously at the it gets a song. funeral, <laughs> and it, the two oh. Ram and Kurt's dads sing it. And it is so good. Like it, the lyrics are amazing. I never cared for home as much until I reared me one. But now <laughs> oh. I've learned to love. I love my dead gay son. Like obviously, oh. I love my dead gay son is a line from the, the movie. But um, it's it's a really it's a really good song. Like you and again, about the fact that, oh sorry, go on. No, no, go on. Something that occurred to me when I was watching the credits last night is because there's a musical of it. There's only three songs in the film for a teen movie. And two of them are K Sara Sara. Mm, and yes. the other one is Teen Scenes is a made up song called Teen Suicide, Don't Do It. Yeah, yeah. And there's no like pop like record. There's, there's a source of all. A, a, like and then you know, contrasting to that, there's an incredibly ominous synth based yeah. kind mm. of so um, good, that, score that runs through it. And every now yeah. and then it has this kind of like breathy, like ah thing <laughs> running over it, and you're like, Oh, this is very like Oh, Twin Peaksy or like yes. very just Such a good one, yeah, really weird and ominous and strange. You know, in this like high school setting, you expect like this mist to roll in and a man to come <laughs> with a chainsaw or something. It's it's very very odd. It's great though. It really like I think the music does like even though there's kind of so little of it in the film, it does a mm. lot of the heavy lifting. Like Hey Sarah Sarah and the opening credits is genius like it's mm. so so good and then yeah. again in the closing credits like it's so so good yeah it's really good yeah it definitely kind of I think it establishes that tone of like you know it's sort of like uh, saccharine sort of black mm. saccharine or something yeah. like that you know like we're, we're here to it. jar you a little bit we're mm. here to make you a yeah. little bit uncomfortable in in a space that you traditionally think is quite safe predictable like case like or, or the teen movie you know yeah where, fully yeah yeah god well there we go i mean we really could go on yeah, yeah. <laughs> speaking of end, speaking of end credits sophie please promote your stuff tell us where we can find you and all that oh thank you um, I felt the urge by the way to just let everyone know before plugging my own shit Allow me to plug Heather's the musical, which is coming to the board. Gosh, energy theater. <laughs> the Sophie will be playing tickets. the role of Veronica. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh my God. I have two tickets and like, I never do this. I'm so cheap, but I actually shelled out for the most expensive seats available. Yes, I was girl. like, I need a good seat. I need a, you deserve a good it. seat, even though it's the West End cast. But like, look, I won't hold it against them. Anyway, my <laughs> own stuff. I have a book out uh, very recently just came out called Corpsing, My Body and Other horror shows it is a um a literary non-fiction uh, it's essays about um just being a really strange person and how we're all really strange people mm. and um that is that book i've written other books i've written fiction about more strange people on instagram 
filtered it's <laughs> unfiltered and i wrote a cookbook way back which is not available anymore <laughs> <laughs> you host the creep dive i do that is true i am one third of the creep dive and i am one half of mother pod they're the two podcasts that i co-host and um the creep dive is out every tuesday and we um just i think spend too much time on the internet and tell each other stories from our travels down internet holes which is great if for some mental reason you haven't like you're listening to juvenalia and you haven't listened to the creep dive which i imagine mm. like that that crossover is very very slim i think there's an increasingly few people who haven't done that yeah, yeah. <laughs> but i mean yeah. like really I, I i will say as a fan of the creep dive like if you're looking for a podcast where you're like oh i need a podcast where i can just go and listen to like 55 episodes of these <laughs> and like no other media for the next like three weeks i i did that i think like last summer on my walks my daily walk oh, i just yeah. took the three of you with me off i went out and it was really really nice so do listen to the creep dive if you don't already because it's oh my uh, god thank you what it's a brilliant a, endorsement oh, a lovely 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 podcast something that used to happen to us a lot um when we were recording in the studio is that the guests would come in and they would meet Cassie and Cassie would mention the creep dive offhand to them. And then we'd see them tweeting more about the creep dive than about their appearance on Juvenilia because they'd become <laughs> obsessed with the creep dive. <laughs> so <laughs> that's how good the creep dive is. Um, Thank you guys. Andrea, where can we find you? Um, I too host a podcast. Um, it is the, I co-host the Nyler Nine podcast. We come out every Friday-ish um, and we do kind of, album reviews and deep dives into different aspects of music that you might be interested in that we did a recent one about how to win a grammy in which i take you through the process of winning a grammy um if anyone wants to do that uh, i also have a substack um andreacleary.substack.com i believe and um i'm not on social media so don't don't literally don't at me because i will not see it <laughs> good luck um, trying to at her yeah i mean you can at me it, it still technically exists there but um but i'm not there um that's it yeah and i i, I write around the place you'll you'll see me it's fine mm-hmm. um i also co-host a podcast it's this one juvenilia um <laughs> juvenilia we have a patreon uh we have bonus episodes we need to do a new one soon they're mostly about video games it's kind of like a, a secret video game podcast that me and sarah do essentially <laughs> and it's sometimes about lost um, <laughs> thank you to Dean McDonald for our artwork. Uh, thank you to Tall Tales and Cassie for having us and for letting us be a Tall Tales podcast. And it's been ages since we recorded an episode. I can't remember if I ever say anything else at the end of the episode. And I don't will, think I do. Will we ask oh, Sophie wait. to like sing us out? With one Please of the do, songs. Sing us out. <laughs> and then we'll fade out into yeah. the Juvenalia. Oh <laughs> so you can, you can match the key of the Juvenalia song. That'd be very yeah, good, handy for good, me. good luck with that, Cassie. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, give give me a second now. Oh my God, which one will I do? Which one will I do? The demon queen of high school has decreed it. She says Monday 8 a.m. I will be deleted. They'll hunt me down in study hall, stuff and mount me on the wall. 30 hours to live. How shall I spend them? I'm a 
dead girl walking. I'm in your yard. I'm a dead girl walking. Before they punch my clock, I'm snapping off your window lock. Got no time to knock. I'm a dead girl walking. Woo! Woo! Yay! Thank you. Amazing. Thank Beautiful. you. Beautiful. Thank you. Bye, everybody. If I didn't fade it up for now, bye. <laughs>